0: Hi, welcome to Living Water Bible Fellowship's audio sermons. It's our prayer and hope that you'll be encouraged and uplifted by the preaching of God's Word. Stick around after the message to hear more about how to contact us.
1: We uh, are continuing our sermon series in the book of Daniel and We come to a passage today that is all testimony. What's interesting about today's passage, it's a testimony of a pagan king about the glory of God. We, uh, living in community with one another, we are blessed to have others speak into our lives. We are blessed to have people around us who testify to God's faithfulness, to testify about God's love, His His. Is taking care of us. Uh, there's so many ways that testimonies bless us. And uh, if, if, uh, if you have people in your life, keep testifying of the grace of God to them. Amen. If you have relationships in this church or out of this church of people that are in trouble and hardship and difficulty, keep testifying about what God has done in your life, what God has made possible in your life. Because God gets the glory through testimonies. So today we are going to read about King Nebuchadnezzar and how he testifies to God's greatness and the lessons he learned that we can learn from and apply to our lives. Chapter four, verse one, please. The book of Daniel. King Nebuchadnezzar. To all peoples, nations, nations. AND LANGUAGES THAT DWELL IN ALL THE EARTH, PEACE BE MULTIPLIED TO YOU. IT has SEEMED GOOD TO ME TO SHOW THE SIGNS AND WONDERS THAT THE MOST HIGH GOD HAS DONE FOR ME. HOW GREAT ARE HIS SIGNS AND HOW MIGHTY HIS WONDERS. HIS KINGDOM IS AN EVERLASTING KINGDOM AND HIS DOMINION ENDURES FROM GENERATION TO GENERATION. I, Nebuchadnezzar, WAS AT EASE IN MY HOUSE AND PROSPERING IN MY PALACE. I saw a dream that made me afraid. As I lay in bed, the, the, the fancies and the visions of my head alarmed me. So I made a decree that all the wise men of Babylon should be brought before me. That they should make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the enchanters, the Chaldeans, the astrologers came in. And I told them the dream, but they could not make known to me its interpretation. At last, Daniel came before me. He who was named Belteshazzar, after the name of my God, in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And I told him the dream, saying, O oh, Belteshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and that no mystery is too difficult for you, tell me the visions of my dream that I saw in their interpretation. The visions of my head as I lay in bed in, in the... In were these. I saw and behold a tree in the midst of the earth and its, its height was great. The tree grew and became strong and its top reached to the heavens. And it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant and its food was good for all. The beast of the field found shade under it. and the birds of the heavens lived in its branches and all flesh was fed from it. I saw in the visions of my head as I lay in bed and behold a watcher a holy one came down from heaven. He proclaimed aloud and said thus, chop down the tree and lop off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beast flee from under it and the birds from its branches. They'll leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze amid the tender grass of the field. Let him be wet with the dew of heaven. Let his portion be with the beast and the grass of the earth. Let his mind be changed from a man's, and let a beast's mind be given to him. Let seven periods of time pass over him. The sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision by the word of the holy ones to the end, that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men, and gives it to whom he will, and sets it over the lowliest of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, saw... And you, Abel tell me the interpretation because all the wise men in my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation. But you are able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Please pause there. <clears throat> King Nebuchadnezzar, the greatest man on earth at that time, probably the wealthiest man on earth during that time, the most powerful man on earth during that time, he had an encounter with God. Not the false gods, not the idols of his peoples, uh, not the the make-believe gods of, of humanity, but the Most High God, the living God, the true God. Amen. And he decides, under no compulsion, no one is forcing him to, he decides to write a, a, a letter, to a, make a decree to all the peoples in his kingdom, to testify, to glorify, to praise this God that was introduced to him through Daniel and his friends. Uh, It's hard to know as we go through the text whether this is a true believer or not, if this is someone who's totally given himself over to the Most High or not, or, or if he's just adding this God to his life. But nevertheless, he testifies, and we can learn from his Count, his life, his failures, his his pride, his humility. So he was, as it says in verse 4, at ease in his house. Uh, uh, Scholars think that maybe this is towards the end of his life through other uh, hints in the text. He's at peace, he's at ease, he sits back later in the text we'll see he's, he's just sitting in his palace and checking everything out and very proud of everything he's accomplished. So maybe this is 30 years after he conquered Jerusalem and brought the exiles. Maybe Daniel by this time is maybe 50 years old or something like that. It's been a long time. But he had a frightening dream. And we saw that previously in a text that God in his grace brought him a dream. We saw that in chapter 2. And now, now in chapter 4, God in his grace gives Nebuchadnezzar a frightening dream. The dream, he explains, uh, will wait for Daniel's interpretation. But when you see a tree in scripture, oftentimes it represents a king or a kingdom. And this tree that he sees, it, it's the biggest thing for miles around. All the birds of the air take take a uh, nest in its branches. The peoples, in other words, of the earth are nesting in its branches. The, the beast of the earth, all the nations are underneath its, its foliage. It's beautiful. Uh, everybody's being fed by this, this great tree, as it were. But then he sees a holy one come down from heaven, an angel of God. And this is the, the only place in scripture that I'm aware of, this watcher, it kind of lends to that, uh, that idea of, of a guardian angel in a sense that we, we see sometimes. Uh, this, that the angels of God are watching, they're reporting to God, the, the throne room of God. And this watcher comes down in his dream and says, chop down the tree. Uh, it doesn't seem to me that the interpretation is that hard to make. But maybe I've read ahead already. So when, uh, when the wise men, the magicians, and the enchanters, and all the smart people of the kingdom, all those who have been trained in the secret arts, when they come and they say they don't know the interpretation, I think that they don't want to tell the king bad news. You tell him. No, you tell him. No, you tell him. I'm not telling him. You tell him. None of them are bold enough or brave enough even to suggest a possible interpretation. But, but uh, the king has been around long enough and he's relied upon Daniel enough that he knows at the end he can call the one that uh, he says is filled with the spirit of the gods. And, and so there's, even in his testimony, he doesn't get the biblical theology quite right. He doesn't see things as a, 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 a mature believer would. And yet he's, he's coming with a testimony of, of what he saw and what he understood and how he processed it. Now, Daniel himself, he probably wouldn't enjoy the title chief of magicians. (laughs) He didn't practice magic, he uh, he wasn't a sorcerer. Daniel's secret was to rely on the wisdom of God, to seek the wisdom of God only. We saw that in chapter 2 as well. The scripture, the the testimony, the teaching of these narratives is to keep pointing us to God and, and keep looking at God. Don't look at false sources of knowledge. Don't look at horoscopes. Don't look at the things of this earth, man-made religions. Keep looking to God and God alone. He is the source of all wisdom. And so that's where Daniel's coming from. He, you know, so, but you don't correct the king, you know, unless you absolutely have to. So, okay, chief of magicians, you can call me that if you want, but I'm, that's not really me. So nevertheless, Daniel is called and Belteshazzar uh, or Nebuchadnezzar has great hope in his his abilities, and his powers. He really wants to know about this dream and what it means. And and again, I'm kind of shocked that he doesn't realize it's speaking of him. That his judgment is at hand. Verse 19, please. Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was dismayed for a while. And his thoughts alarmed him. The king answered and said, Belteshazzar, let not the dream of, of, or interpretation alarm you. Uh, Belteshazzar answered and said, my lord, may the dream be for those who hate you and its interpretation for your enemies. Uh, he's about to announce judgment on the king. God's judgment, not his judgment, God's word. Yes. Uh, uh, when we uh, are preaching the word, when we are sharing the word, when we bring God's uh, teachings to people, sometimes we feel very... Uh, out of place. We feel very strange uh, speaking God's truth, but we remember when we have the opportunity to share the gospel with people at work or coworkers or family, we are bringing God's word, not our word. We're called to be ambassadors for Jesus. We're called to be uh, witnesses of Jesus. And, and we're not saying these things. God is saying these things. And so, but, but uh, Daniel is, is kind of dismayed. You could tell he really likes the king. He really cares about the king. He's like, oh, may, may what I say, may it apply to your enemies. And isn't, isn't that how we should uh, announce judgment to people in the, in the community, or people in, in, um, in the world we live in? We, we, I think some people enjoy being prophets in anger. Or some people enjoy being prophets and shaking their finger at people. You're going to, man, God's going to get you kind of thing. That's not our place. I, I mean, we, we, we speak truth, but can our hearts break as we speak truth? Uh, shouldn't our hearts break in, in, in love for people who, unless they come to Christ, are going to be separated for, from God forever? And some in our culture, some churches, or, or some, some pastors even, man, it, it seems like they enjoy calling down curses on people. May that not be us. When we bring the word of God to our neighbors and our community and friends in love, but we still speak the truth. We don't bend the truth. We don't water down the truth. We tell people what the word says. And then we let God, the spirit, move in people's lives. But for us, we should have this kind of this heart of Daniel, this, this piece of Daniel, this man, I, I, I love you, King, but here we go. Verse 20, the tree you saw which grew and became strong so its top reached to heaven and it was visible to the ends of the whole earth whose leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant and which food for all under which the beasts of the field found shade and which branches the birds of the heavens lived. It is you, O king. You've grown and become strong. Your greatness has grown and reaches to heaven. Your dominion to the ends of the earth. And because the king saw a watcher, a holy one coming down from heaven saying, "Chop." down the tree and destroy it. It'll leave the stump of its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron in the field. And it goes on from there. Um, look at verse 24. This is the interpretation, O king. It is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the king, that you shall be driven from among men. Your dwelling shall be with the beast of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox. You shall be wet with the dew of heaven seven periods of time shall pass over you till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Uh, It's the same thing that was said in verse 17. Until you know, until you acknowledge that the Most High rules the kingdom of men, the kingdoms of men, and gives it to whoever he wills. Until you know, until you acknowledge, until you come to get the truth in your head. That you don't reign, but God reigns. Amen. So he, he preaches that, he, he says that to him, he shares that with him. And, um, in, in verse 26, and as it was commanded to leave the stump of the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be confirmed for you from the time that you know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by practicing righteousness and your iniquities by showing mercy to the oppressed, that there may be perhaps a lengthening of your prosperity. And pause there again. So what he's saying is, King, uh, God is going to take away your mind for a season. You're going to be as a beast and there, you know, several commentaries I read, they, they, they said there's medical terms for this. Uh, when you think you're an animal, uh, you know, whether it's a goat or a frog or a fish or something, I want to be a tiger. <laughs> uh, we don't know uh, if this was a medical condition that's normal. It, it's a judgment of God is what it is. Amen. We don't know if it's a one-time thing or it happens throughout history. But God is working his will in the man's life. And, and, and the dream is, is, is given. And he's saying, man, this could happen to you. That you, the greatest man upon the earth, the most powerful man upon the earth, could become like an animal and walk around and eat grass like a cow. Walk around and just eat vegetables out there in the world. Now, we don't know how this looks. You know, it says seven periods. Uh, uh, we it's it seven is a number of completeness and the idea is it's it's until God God sees it done until it's sufficient. It's a sufficient time. It could be seven years uh, You know his hair like like eagles feathers and his nails long like animal claws uh, Wow The judgment of God is the judgment of God and uh, Daniel he Daniel's saying man King This is about you. Won't you repent? Won't you turn before it's too late? Won't you confess your sins? Won't you get right with God before the judgment comes? Daniel cares for him deeply, and he wants his, his king to be saved. He wants his, his, his master to come to faith in the true God. And he urges him to turn around before it's too late. It, he gives a note of hope there that, that may perhaps be a lengthening of your prosperity. Verse 28. What happened? Uh, and here it's interesting that the way the text is written, uh, up until this point it's been first person. Now the narrator takes over the third person. And gives a report. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, Is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power, as a royal residence for the glory of of my majesty? There's no pride there at all. While the words were still in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be with the beast of the field. And you shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you, until, we've heard this before, you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men, and gives it to whom he will. Immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men, and ate grass like an ox. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hair grew as long as eagle's feathers, and his nails... Were like birds' claws. And so we see in this passage the the, the dream comes true. Uh, remember, uh, Jonah, he passed through Nineveh and he said, 40 days till the judgment. You have 40 days to repent. Well, apparently, Nebuchadnezzar is given, given 12 months to repent. He's a king after all. It's a little extra time, maybe. And he does. His pride stinks to the highest heaven like that tree that grew, tree growing, that, that kingdom that was growing independent of God. God is not going to let that pride stand. So he takes the, the, the warning, he doesn't give heed to it, the grace of God that came to him, he doesn't give heed to it, and he bears the penalty. Verse 34. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my, he- my eyes to heaven. What? Let me read that again. At the end of the days, meaning the seven periods, the seven cycles, the seven years, what have you. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven. And my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. And whenever you see poetry, the different translations set it out uh, a little bit differently, but whenever you see poetry in the Old Testament from Genesis on, always pay attention to it in the narratives because they they focus on on some of the big ideas that, that the author wants to get across. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. So he's in poetry now. All the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing. And he does according to his will among the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say to him, what have you done? Back back to narrative, to prose. At the same time, my reason returned to me. And for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. My counselors and my lords sought me. And I was established in my kingdom. And still more greatness was added to me. Isn't that incredible? The pagan king was given more prosperity. The pagan king was given more riches. The pagan king was given more greatness. After he lifted his eyes to the Lord. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. For all his works are right and his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. So says the testimony of Nebuchadnezzar. Now, again, I don't know if he was a believer. I don't know if, if you know, God saw, God saw a trust in him that was uh, saving. If he was, you know, believed God's word and was declared righteous as Abraham was. I, I don't know. There's, there's signs in the text that, I mean, why would, why would he give this testimony, <laughs> you know, without being forced to? But there's other signs in the text of him being prideful and arrogant and and maybe he's still a polytheist. Maybe he's still worshiping other gods. He hasn't made the distinction yet between the Most High and the false gods of his people and his culture. The false god he learned on his mama's knee. uh, We we don't know where he's at, but his testimony, his testimony is given by the author of, of Daniel to teach us what things are taught to us by Nebuchadnezzar's testimony. We start with the idea that uh, he's the most powerful man on the earth, the most powerful person on the earth. We've seen some of the most powerful people on the earth in our day fall recently. The richest people get into scandal and trouble and hardships. Israel was uh, in exile when this was written. They were still in bondage. Maybe they thought they were trapped. Maybe they thought that Nebuchadnezzar is in control of all things. Maybe they thought that there's no hope of a future for us. Look at the power of Nebuchadnezzar. Or after this, the, the kings of the Medes and the Persians. Or after this, you know, whoever read this through the centuries, after this, the, the, the Greeks, look at how powerful they are, and look at how powerful the Romans are. In our day, maybe we say, oh, look how powerful the Chinese are. Man, who's going to stop them? Nebuchadnezzar's testimony. <clears throat> Nebuchadnezzar's testimony is that there's always hope with God, because God is more powerful than any king god is in control of all nations god is in control of all regimes god is in control of all presidents god is in control because he's all powerful his dominion is everywhere he rules over the kingdoms of humanity always has always will and so for the israelites is they're thinking about the promises of God, thinking about, man, God promised us after 70 years we could go home, but look at how powerful Nebuchadnezzar is. Could he ever fall? Could he ever Could we ever overcome him? We can't, but the Most High can. The teaching of the text is telling us again and again, God is in control. Maybe you have a boss that seems in control. <laughs> That there's no hope of ever, ever seeing any, any change in that organization. God is in control. Maybe you're in a family where there's just uh, abuse or, or terrible things happening and you, or a system of play that you wonder if it's ever going to be broken. And, And maybe you need to remember that God is in control. And you can have hope in that. You can have hope that the living God is in control other things we learn in this text, Uh, Nebuchadnezzar testified that he was warned to repent. He he was warned to turn his life around. He testified that he was warned to leave his pride behind. You know, the Israelites, they fell into uh, this, this, this pride, this arrogance, uh, before they were sent into captivity, before they were sent away from the promised land, they, they, they didn't feel like they had to answer the God. They, they didn't feel like God was in control of things. And uh, they had to learn the lesson of of listening to God, repenting. I, I look at this and... and God ha- was under, un- under no compulsion to bring a warning to Nebuchadnezzar. God was under no compulsion to bring a a word to Nebuchadnezzar. He could have just let Nebuchadnezzar crash and burn on his own. God doesn't have to give us warnings. He didn't have to give Israel warnings. I, I want to show you one warning that, that he gave Israel before they were They were uh, overrun and Jerusalem was destroyed. Uh, It's in in Jeremiah 18. And just just listen to the warning and, and think about this warning not as just a warning of judgment, but as the grace of God. Jeremiah 18, verses 1 through 12, 1 through 11. Jeremiah 18, verses 1 through 11. The word came, that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I'll let you hear my words. So I went down to the potter's house, and there he was working at his wheel. And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand. He reworked it into another vessel as it seemed good for the potter to do. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, Can I not do with you as the potter has done? Declares the Lord, Be- Behold, like the clay in the potter's hand, So you are in my hand, O house of Israel. That's, that's a warning. That, that's a gift of grace. To a prideful people, to an arrogant people, to a people who don't think God rules, you're like clay in my hands. Verse 7, if at any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I pluck it up and break it down and destroy it, if that nation concerning which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent of the disaster that I intended to do it. If any time I declare concerning a nation or a kingdom that I'll build and plant it, and if it does evil in my sight, not listening to my voice, then it will relent of the good that I had intended to do it. Now, therefore, say to the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, thus says the Lord, behold, I'm shaping disaster against you and devising a plan against you. Return everyone from his evil way and amend your ways and your deeds. God's grace comes to us again and again and again in the scriptures. He gave it to Israel. He gave it to Nebuchadnezzar. (laughs) The dream, Nebuchadnezzar, you're about to be chopped down. Submit to me. Follow me. Obey me. Come into righteousness with me. Come into right relationship with me while there's still time. John the Baptist, when he came preaching, he said, repent. The ax is at the base of the tree. It's time to turn. It's time to repent. It's time to listen. Jesus preached repentance and salvation. It's a grace of God when warnings come. Nebuchadnezzar testified that, yeah, in in his, in his account, he said, yeah, I got a warning. I didn't heed it. My friends, we should listen to God's warnings. The scriptures from Genesis to Revelation They're gifts of God's, of God. They're they're God's gifts to us. All the stories, all the accounts. Come back to me while there's still time. Come back to me while there's still time. Repent. Turn to me while there's still time. Live for me. I made you to be mine. I bought you. With my blood, come back to me. Repent. Be mine. Nebuchadnezzar testified that uh, he was warned to repent. And... uh, Israel through that, they were they were you know they're reading this and you think that maybe some of the Israelites still had idols in their life? You know, they're in Babylon, or maybe they're reading this when they're uh, you know when when the Persians are in charge, and, and you know they, they got sent into exile because they're worshiping false gods and they're living selfishly. You think some of them are still worshiping false gods in exile? Maybe they're angry at God for wrecking Jerusalem or sending the Babylonians to wreck Jerusalem? Maybe they need to hear again God's warning. He's still present. His offer of grace is still present for you to turn and live for him, obey him, follow him while there's still time. It'll work out best for you if you do so. Um, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, you know, not only testified that as the world's greatest man, he was removed from power because God was so great. And not only did he testify that he had uh, been warned and he scorned the warning he threw the warning away and it cost him. He also testified that his pride was a problem. Now I know that uh, maybe, maybe this is just for the people at home because I'm looking around and none of these people have any problems uh, with pride or anything. So I'm probably talking to you people just at home right now. But Pride could be a problem for some people that they don't need God. That, and, and you notice uh, verse 29. At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. Uh, the king answered and said, is, is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as a royal residence for the glory of my majesty? And his, his gaze is on what he's accomplished, now, some of us grew up in homes where we were taught to, that our worth and our value uh, came through what we accomplished, and we, we believe that lie, that, you know, that we earned our place in this world by what we accomplished instead of trusting in the grace of God. But Nebuchadnezzar, at this point, he's got his eyes level on what he's accomplished. He's built mighty things. I mean, Babylon was legendary for its magnificence. It was, it was an incredible place. The hanging gardens, one of the seven wonders of the world were there. The, the massive wall that you could drive, apparently, a couple of chariots down. Uh, the, the palaces he built, everything. You know, he's looking around. He's, his eyes are down here, and he's saying, look at what I've done. And he's probably, he's probably, he's probably not thinking that God helped him at all, or that God put him in a position of power. He, he didn't think of that. And maybe, maybe Israel at one point felt like that, too. I don't know, but, but maybe you felt like that, or maybe you've talked that way. Man, look, look, at, look at, you know, you got your yard. Look at this beautiful grass that, that I grew. The envy of all the neighbors. Look at what I grew. Yeah. Pride can come in so many forms. But don't we get in that habit over, over the years, like you build your business, or you raise a family, and you look at your kids, you're proud of them, or, or all these things come about where you did this, or you did that, you started this, you started that, and you never look up, and you never glorify the God who gave you all the ability, and all the, all the money, and all the resources. You never look up. Your, your, your eyes never raise up to heaven and acknowledge who rules. Nebuchadnezzar testifies that his pride got him in in trouble. His pride was a problem. He he tells this story, uh, not to brag about it, but he's like, at a certain time, man, I I looked around and it was all about me. Pride is a problem. And so we need to repent of that. Because this is God's world and this is God's God's gift to us this very life this next breath that we breathe it came from god is a gift of god anything i do in this life farming or ranching or fishing i didn't catch that fish well i did no i didn't god you said that fish thank you for it God is to be worshiped is what Nebuchadnezzar is testifying to Are you a worshipper of God You're called to be You're called to glorify God uh, The other thing that is as I was looking at this that that really stood out was not only did Nebene- Nebuchadnezzar fall but he rose Okay, and so, and so Israel, look at their position. Man, they fell hard. Their, their temple was destroyed. Their city was destroyed. Their country was taken. They were in the, in the deepest of darkest places. They were slaves. They were captives. They were nobodies in the eyes of the world. They fell hard because of their sin. They fell hard because of their wickedness. And, and, and yet they, they look at this pagan king. He fell hard. Seven years of wandering around eating Brussels sprouts and broccoli and kale and lettuce and grass. Evil stuff. (laughs) And yet he did it. Uh, He was sent there. He was put there by God and he fell hard because of his sin. He fell hard because of his wickedness. Did they have any hope? They could look at this 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 God who is so prideful and arrogant and they could say, man, if God raised him up, God could raise me up too. So maybe some of you have struggled with addiction. Maybe some of you have struggled with broken families, broken relationships. Maybe some of you have been, uh, have crashed and burned because of your sin, because of your evil. And and maybe you're looking at this and what Daniel is teaching us is that with God, all things are possible. With God, you can be restored. With God, you can be brought back up. With God, you can serve God as you were meant to serve God. You, 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 you're not trapped in the hole that you've dug for yourself. Now, again, it's not your pride. It's not your power. It's not your energy. God rules. God's strength. Turn your eyes. <laughs> Stop looking down here. I can't. I can't. You know, there's no hope. Uh, when Nebuchadnezzar lifted up his eyes to heaven, his life changed. And I don't, I don't know if it's it's meant to be like uh, like he was regenerated at that point, like, like he lifted up, and, you know, like that, or or if he, you know, when you up, lift up your eyes to God, it's like you're you're asking God for aid, you're going to God for help, you're saying I need you. I think anybody who realizes that they need God and they turn to God and they cry out for God's help. God loves to respond to that. Amen. Now, um, don't get the picture that, that just because you turn to God that everything is going to be perfect. That you're not going to have any problems anymore. The life's going to be, you know, problem free. That's not the way this world works. We're not home yet. It's our true home where everything's problem free. But you don't have to stay where you are in your brokenness. Nebuchadnezzar testifies to that. He said, man, for seven years, for seven seasons, I was wandering around like a beast. Anybody living like a beast right now? Turn your eyes unto the king. Lift your gaze upon the, the Lord God Almighty. He can save, he can rescue, he can pull anybody out of the pit. But you've got to call on his name. Rely upon him. Ask him to save you. <clears throat> There, there, there's, there's more in this text. But Nebuchadnezzar ends by worshiping God. He, he gives God praise, and he exalts God, and he glorifies God. Shouldn't that be something that we do as well? Amen. Now again, I don't know if he's a believer or not. I don't know if he's a man of God yet. But his testimony to all the peoples of the earth... God, and this, this is a beautiful thing. God worked in his life as he worked in Daniel and Daniel's friend's life because God knew at the end of the account, he would get the glory. God, for whatever reason, God chooses to work through people. God chooses to work through people evangelistically he, chooses to, he calls us to prayer for some strange reason. He calls us to pray when he could do it all himself. He could save everybody in terms of spread the gospel. He could put a sign up there on the moon. He could do anything, but he chooses to use people. He keeps working with this person, this sinner, this broken man, because he, he, he wants to work through him to change the world, to, to testify. And he gets it. And I think there's this beautiful thing with us. That he's allowing you to go through the things you're going through right now. He's calling you to trust him right now. He's he's not giving up on you. He's he's calling you forth again. Because at the end of the day. He wants your testimony. He wants your praise. He wants your honor. uh, Of him. He got it from Nebuchadnezzar. And if he can take a pagan king. A polytheist. An idol worshiper. And even... Uh, What, 2,600 years later, we're still hearing his testimony? Certainly, your life can be a testimony as you lift your eyes to God and worship him and sing his praises before your community. Brothers and sisters, we have a testimony. Speak to the world about what God has done for you. And God will get the praise and the honor and the exaltation as he so deserves. Please stand in his presence. (laughs) Lord God Almighty, thank you for all that you're doing in our midst. Thank you for your warnings. Thank you for your grace-filled warnings that come our way. Thank you for working with us again and again. You don't have to, but you do. You keep coming after us, Lord. You keep pursuing us. You keep calling our name. Even in the darkest places, you keep calling us forth. You keep calling us to worship you. You keep calling us to sing your praises. Lord, give us the power to do so. (laughs) Lord God, if anybody here needs to repent today, may they repent. If anyone needs to go home and testify to someone, may they go home and testify to someone today about your faithfulness and your salvation. Lord God, if, if anybody needs to be saved today, May they turn to you. May their eyes lift up to you, Lord, and say they they need you. They trust you and you alone, Jesus, for what you've accomplished for them. Your work, not theirs. Make us all dependent on you, God. And may you always get the glory and the honor and the praise. We love you, Lord. Please send us out in the world now as your testifiers, as your glorifiers, as your magnifiers you are worthy of it all in Jesus name we
0: pray amen thank you so much for listening the gospel according to the bible is that Jesus Christ who was and is the eternal God took on human flesh was born of a virgin died for our sins on the cross and rose from the dead three days later he then ascended to the father's right hand where he sits making intercession for his people And right now, he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ, you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.